Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday, everybody. Brewers Outlet Tag. Stock up for the weekend now. It'll be chilly this weekend, so you'll probably be spending a lot of time indoors. Go to Brewers Outlet. Ah, yes. Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels, the dills, indeed second to none. By the way, when it comes to beer, how about Imports Domestics Microbrews? Again, that's the best selection anywhere. So go to Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, big night coming up tonight. Uh, we've got a big night. Here it is. You've got semifinal action coming up in uh, Quad A tonight, District 4. Shemokin at Sealands Grove at 7 o'clock on Eagle 107. And Shemokin's the number three seed, Sealands Grove the number two seed. Well, Lewisburg's the number four seed. They got in. They've got the number one seed, Jersey Shore, tonight. That'll be at 7 o'clock, and you'll hear that on 100.9 The Valley. So what a weekend, what a night we have of high school football, playoff football coming up tonight. Corey Geiger is going to join us in a few moments from DK Sports, then Nate Bauer in the next half hour. So we have a lot going on today on the show and looking forward to it very, very much. Great to have you with us, as always. Today's show is sponsored by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day in the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. Back with Corey Geiger from DK Sports in a moment, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And joining us now from DK Sports in Pittsburgh, Corey Geiger. Corey, welcome. Great to have you with us. Steve, good to be with you guys. Hope everything's going well today. Everything is going well. Thanks. Appreciate it very much. All right, so what were uh, your primary takeaways from Saturday night in Columbus? Okay, well... People don't like the phrase moral victory because, you know, it sounds bad. It's like, okay, you're, you're okay with losing. And I don't think Penn State is ever okay with losing. But if you, if you just throw away moral victory, if you just throw that phrase away, I think there were a lot of positives to come out of that game. And here's my number one takeaway. Steve, I felt a lot better about the Penn State football team after the Ohio State game than I did after the Illinois game. Because after the Illinois game, you're wondering, wow, if they can lose to Illinois, they can lose to anybody. Well, after the Ohio State game, I, I think Penn State came out, played a, a good football game against a fantastic team. Uh, I mean, Penn State couldn't run the ball at all and still was in the game, which is amazing, Steve, if you think about you know, that imbalance. So I felt better about the Penn State football team. I, I, you know, you're kind of back on track thinking that they can still do some positive things here as long as Sean Clifford stays healthy. And here's another takeaway, Steve. Steve, you agree with this. 
I thought they played better from start to finish in that game than they did in the 2016 game that they actually won. I thought I thought Ohio State handled the 2016 game really for the first three quarters before Penn State had a great fourth quarter. But I thought in this game, Penn State was right there, toe-to-toe, was with the better team for a good portion of the game. I think the, the way I looked at it was I thought both teams played with a lot of guts. I thought both teams played with a lot of guts on, on Saturday night because I think that's the kind of – because they're far more evenly matched, I think, than people realize. I mean, it's uh, – and I also thought Penn State's approach – They'd have been a, they'd been about fifty seven forty three run to pass on first down. They were like sixty one thirty nine pass to run. I thought they're on first down. I think that that approach really uh, played out well for them because they moved the football. Yeah, sure. I was Steve. I'm just you go back back a lot longer than me, and I do think with a healthy Sean Clifford, they can play with people. Obviously, we saw it against Iowa. You know, when when he throws the ball well. I'm just, I'm just concerned. I've never seen this level of a disparity between the pass game and the run game. I, I, Illinois, I was stunned that Illinois was able to beat Penn State with 357 rushing and 38 passing. I've never seen a team so one-dimensional, just completely one-dimensional, be able to beat Penn State. Penn State's usually able to win those games all the time. But I'm just really concerned that Penn State is so one-dimensional I know everybody wonders how that is. Is it is it the offensive line? I don't think it's a running back. To me, it might be the system or the scheme. I, I mean, I don't know. But, you know, to have 33 yards rushing and you still had a chance to win the game on the road at Ohio State, that's mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, it's interesting about the, the Illinois game. There's no question they control clock and they shorten the game. But they only got 10 points out of the approach, too. Yeah, sure. Yep. I mean, they, they, and two trips into the red zone. They got, you know, that's that, that's what's interesting about that game is like, Everybody, the 357, I said, yeah, they got 10 points. Right? Now, if they got 30 points, I'd be like, oh, God, yeah. But 10 points, that's what really struck me. Yeah. Uh, Dotson's a marked man in every game. Um, and yet he still had, what, 11 catches in the ball game. Washington, they both had over 100 yards receiving. What did you see in the Penn State pass game and the way it was executed? I thought the middle of the field was open a good bit, and Sean did a really nice job using the middle of the field. Parker Washington did did well. You know, then they they were able to obviously Jahan is a, a special player, um, and when they're throwing, I mean, I, I go back to Iowa. Sean threw it twenty five times before he got knocked out with twelve and a half minutes to right. go in the second quarter. Twenty five passes. Yep, and. That is just not typically Penn State football. That's you know that that's what we not what we've seen. But if that's what you have to do, uh, you have to do what you have to do to win the game. And so um, you know we all talk about balance, but as, as James Franklin has talked about, you can be you can have balance by using the short passing game as essentially your running game. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they have to abandon the running game completely because you can't just have your quarterback back there throwing 70 times. But, Steve, have we gotten to the point where Sean has to throw 50 times if they're going to beat a quality opponent? Well, I mean, it was enough to score 24. And then, you know, and then of course, the big play of the game was the fumble recovery. But the, pro- the deal with that was they were moving on that drive too. Yeah. Uh, defensively, Five trips into the red zone for Ohio State, one touchdown. Yeah. What did you think of the Penn State defensive performance? 
Well, Sean, that that that, that return six that gave him a, tar- a touchdown, and then there was the other turnover, turnover that gave him a field goal. So yeah. Ohio State scored twenty three points basically off Penn State's defense. You'll yeah. take that any any day of the week. Any when you've got a team that can score forty or fifty on just about anybody, and you essentially hold them to twenty three. You know, that's you'll take that all day. And I, I thought from a bounce back effort, and you're you're right. Yeah, they gave up the 357 against Illinois, but the only, only the 10 points. Uh, I thought the defense came back, and they've been great in the red zone all year. Uh, that, to me, is why Brent Pry is so, so valuable to the Penn State program. And every year when they start talking about the Broyles Award and things like that, I, I, I like to throw out Brent, Brent Pry's name as a candidate for the Broyles Award because – he is just so valuable to what that Penn State defense does. And look, they've got good players. Joey Porter had a tough night with the penalties, but they've got good players back there. Joey's an NFL player. Jaquan Brisker is an NFL player. AK is an NFL player. You, you, Brandon Smith. I mean, you, you've got good players on that side of the ball. There's no question. Um, in fact, this year Penn State has given up 20 scores. It's only – I think they, they – I want to say it's I don't know, low 70s in terms of scoring, but – 20 scores in the red zone. 12 of the 20 are field goals. Yeah. It's only impressive. Eight, that's impressive. That's only eight touchdowns out of 20 scores you've given up. That's impressive. I want to ask you about the Steel Chambers play because you brought up Joey Porter, and Joey Porter was penalized on the sideline for a personal foul, not targeting, because I think it was Wilson caught it. Was, and in college football, he was on the ground when he caught it. Yeah. So that means right. the play's over. So, yes, it's a penalty. Done. So now let's get to Steel Chambers. He also was called for a personal foul, but then was hit with targeting and subsequently was thrown out of the game. What did you think of, not the personal foul, because Sean is down, but the targeting part of it? Because I'll preface it by, by Corey by saying, Jack Ham and I just looked at you and said, why are they throwing this kid out? You you did not. Uh, his helmet did hit him though, Steve. Right? I mean, yeah, that it, is what the it, 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 yeah, it did. But I mean, you know, we kind of I don't know. Maybe yeah. we're maybe we're old school on this. But in other words, if he smacked the helmet, okay. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. You can I go am, from there. I I am going. Look, I am going to be in the minority on this. I already am. I've written about this. I've talked, and I understand that people are going to disagree with me, and, and I'm okay with that. If you hit a dude in the helmet, you should be ejected. That's my feeling. I, this thing about intent. Did he intend? Well, you, you don't, if you don't intend to hurt somebody, they can still get paralyzed. Okay? Football is vicious. And what they're trying to do after football, and I'm talking the NFL specifically, after they hid rule information about concussions for decades and people's lives were, you know, <laughs> impacted tremendously they're trying to clean it up they're trying to make sure you don't hit dudes in the head and so again everybody's going to disagree with me on this i get it because it's a vicious fast sport i think that if you hit a guy in the head you should be ejected i I just don't think you can whether you intended to or not um it is a steve i'm looking at football 30 40 50 years so are we oh so are we we we, that's that's why the overtime rule i think when i was talking about the overtime rule in the pregame I said I felt like I was watching uh, World Cup penalty kicks. I said, but I understand they're trying to preserve the sport. So I do get right. that. Yeah. And that's the issue for me is 
what will football like for, be like for the next generation? Because you've got to go in reverse. You can't just look at a, a play in a game. You've got to look at the number of kids that are no, are no longer playing football, moms and dads that are not letting their 12- and 13-year-old kid play football. Numbers are down drastically across this country for youth football participation. Yeah. Why is that? Because people are scared to death that their kid's going to go out there and get, and get crushed, and it's going to hurt them for the rest of their lives. No, that's what football has to be concerned about. And, and again, I'll say it for the third time, everybody might disagree with me on this, but I think that football has to be taught that there needs to be a severe penalty. If you hit a guy in the head, and you can't judge intent. I mean, nobody ever really intends to, to just destroy somebody, although you know, maybe sometimes. But uh, if, you, if you do it, I think you have to have a, a, a severe penalty. So I, I really don't have an issue with the ejection, but I know most people are in college football. Too. Well, I mean, the way we looked at those, if, if we see a guy square head-to-head, like square head-to-head, you know, or even like, you know, maybe, you know, a, 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 enough of a helmet-to-helmet, Jack and I will say right away, because we, we feel the same way, I can speak for him, uh, you should be out. But if it's one of those where they're like, boy, it's close, you know, it's, it's, that's where we get a little bit of an issue. We're, we're watching sure. the replay and we're like, okay, you know, you grazed them or whatever. That's where we, you know, we think it's a personal foul. There's your 15, but not throwing it. That's, that's the line we draw. And I think the rule is probably going to be – there's so many people who are outraged by all these kids getting ejected. That you know, Joel Klatt mentioned it in Wisconsin. I think the rule is going to be adjusted, and and what you and Jack are talking about will probably ultimately end up happening. At least you know for the short term. I think we're going to be visiting this all the time. I mean, all the time. Every two, three, four years, we're going to be visiting the impact of this. And as James liked to say, they really need to study this and see the impact. And that takes time to do. So I think I think what you're discussing is probably going to be the way it's going to go. And I would say even after the season, in the off season, they'll they'll adjust it. But uh, again, I I don't really have an issue with it because I think the number one thing far you know far and away more so than a, a kid being able to get yeah. to play in the game and right. you know you, you got to protect everybody. Right. Now I understand. See, to me, all those things should go to the league office the next day. Every single one that was a targeting penalty. And they should be able to determine the next day whether the player is out for the next game or not. Okay, yeah. In other words, we have all this technology. So say they were a total, let's just say there were seven Big Ten games over the weekend, which I think there were. Um, Now, maybe somebody had buys. It doesn't matter. Just say they played a full schedule. Say in those, those seven games there were four targetings. What, you don't have the time on a Sunday morning to look at them to see if the players should be out the next game? So you're saying let them stay in the game on Saturday and then suspend them for the entire next game? No, I would say that under the current rule, the guy's out of the game, but if it's in the second half, you're out of the first half of the next game. Well, to me, you should be able to look at that and say, hey, look, you know, we looked at it. We think he should be out the first half of the next game because we thought it was egregious. Or we looked at it, and you know what? Throwing him out and the penalty was enough, he should be able to play the full game the next game. I think that's reasonable. And then we also have to consider television angles and television games. Yep. Penn State's games are all going to have these you know, tremendous replays available. What about Nevada versus 
San Diego State? Are they going to have as much right. TV? I mean, so or, you, or cameras, or cameras? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, it's always going to be difficult, you know, depending on the level of the game. Here's the next one. In my, again, we'll start with my opinion, and then I'll let you think. I thought one of the biggest mistakes that the Big Ten made in its previous TV contract, and I made the statement before they signed it. I said, no six-day windows. You should be able to tell 12 days ahead of time which games you want. Penn State-Michigan is now a six-day window again. They, they yeah. make this seem like it's complicated. You only hurt fans doing that. Let, exactly. let fans have an idea. They, I mean, people got to travel Again, especially these massive fan bases like we're talking about here, and and you're planning your whole your whole weekend over it. I, I yeah, I, that's that's the business. I tell I tell people all the time, Steve. College football is a professional sport. It, it is. It, it's a professional business. Um, yeah, these are college kids, but everything about it, it these decisions are made for money, and and I mean that's. I don't think anything like I don't think that's going to change because if they they're they're always going to maximize the dollars and the profit whenever they can. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I know they pay a lot of money in rights. I got it. But you know what? One. What's the What's the biggest reason you think TV ratings are up this fall? I've not thought about that. I think, I mean, we've all just been through so much over the last couple of years that maybe we're kind of getting back to sports being that escape that we truly want. I mean, it's the first thing off the top of my head. TV ratings, in my opinion, uh, are up in part. Now, you're talking about a little percentage here, but the atmosphere is coming through the TV set, and I think it's a draw. Yeah, I've heard you say so, that before. You you and, can sit in your living room with your mask. Hey, look. <laughs> and and uh, I and I think that they've got to they have to have more respect for the fan being in the stands. That's why you don't need a six day window. That's my that's my point to draw it full circle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. All right. Hey, it was a pleasure having you on. You know, congratulations on getting to DK Sports in Pittsburgh. I think that's you know they do great work and uh, they're fortunate to have you. Steve, thank you so much. You guys enjoy your day. Appreciate it. Corey Geiger, DK Sports in Pittsburgh. Nate Bauer coming up on 3.com. Next half hour today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 
party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day in the pickle bar, led by the barrels of the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Proud to be in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. The best in the business. All right, so what do we call this now, Nate? Is it uh, ON3, ON3? What is it? Uh, ON3, like like ON3, hot, 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 you know? Football. How about one more? You only did two. Okay, I'll take it back. I'll, I'll send that up the, the corporate ladder. I'll let them know. You have to say hot, hot, hot. You have to say, give me the third one. Mm. See, this, is, this is your invaluable knowledge coming to the forefront. Yeah, I'm just a veteran observer. Nate Bauer <laughs> from On3. That's right. Well, uh, bef- still, still Blue White Illustrated. So Blue White Illustrated at On3.com. So Very that's cool. what it is. I know. Very confusing. So hey, if I, I go to I plug? yes, well, I'm because people are probably wondering how do they get to it. So it's blue white yeah, illustrated one one word or blue white illustrated one word dot com will take you to our new website on our new home. It is a dollar to subscribe to our premium content for a year. Please blue white. Help me feed Illust- my family. Sign up Blue White Illu- for that one dollar. So Blue White Illustrated. Dot com. What's the rest? That's it. Dot com. Dot com. That's it. It'll take you right there. It's beautiful. And most okay. important, we're, we're all there. The whole gang of Blue White Illustrated has moved to this new network, and it's pretty awesome. Well, good. You know, and this and this will feed your kids. This will, I mean, hopefully, my my second Oliver, oof, he eats quite a bit. So, <laughs> you know, these eight month olds eat me out of house and home. I know. So I don't want to do anything that says on three, right? Just have to say BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Blue dot com. That's it. 
Mm, it's, yeah, it's so simple. I hope, because it doesn't bring me there. Oh, no. Mm. Exactly. Oh, no. Oh, no. Google is another thing that you can use. <laughs> Anything that says Blue White Illustrated will get you to us one way or okay. another. All right. It'll I'll, be great. I'll trust you. You're going to you love this. it. I will. All right, so uh, look, there, there are no moral victories, okay? Sure. But sure. what was your evaluation of level of play coming out of Saturday night? So I'm 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 gonna repeat myself because I've I've felt this way Saturday night and then I have been saying it since that Jair Brown had a very interesting comment after the game mm-hmm. that they don't look at the scoreboard. Okay? And as the losing team, that feels like a very convenient thing to say. But right. it struck me as this essential disconnect between fan, media, even coaches, and then the actual player on the field. Because the actual player on the field is looking to win his rep, right? Like, that is how the game is broken down, is by snaps, and it is your responsibility as 11 to beat the other 11 for as many plays as you possibly can. And so all of that is a long way of me saying Penn State won a bunch of reps on Saturday night against arguably one of the best teams in the country at their place with Penn State coming off of some some real disappointment. And so to, to me, I think the Penn State watched film yesterday and absolutely had things that needed to be corrected, things, opportunities that weren't taken advantage of, so on and so forth, but can still come out of that game and will come out of that game feeling as though it should feel invigorated. It should feel optimistic heading into this final month of the season. Well, I mean, there's no question. So let's start with this. Uh, going into the game, Penn State was – on first down, 57% run, 43% pass, at least based on my raw numbers, and I keep track of it myself every game. And I had said in the pregame show, I felt like they may need to reverse it and mm-hmm. go 60-40 pass. Well, it ended up they went 61-31. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think that approach meant to what we saw? Well, you know, look, I, I mean, I think that the – the basic proposition going into that game wasn't whether or not Penn State could pass effectively. It, it has done that this season. It's whether or not Penn State could keep its quarterback upright and give him the time to operate because his limitations physically have not eliminated his ability to escape the pocket, but it it has dampened that, I think. And so, really, it became to me, all right, is he going, is Sean Clifford going to have an opportunity to get the ball out? Because Penn State's receivers are not bad. They're good. John Dotson is good. Parker Washington is good. 
DeAndre Lambert Smith is is you know he's still young, but he's coming along. Um, and so for an Ohio State secondary that had shown previously that it can be beaten and that it it is a secondary willing to keep everything in front of it uh, in exchange for preventing the deep ball and and giving up the back-breaking play through the passing game, uh, Penn State was able to to operate in that space, right? Like, Sean Clifford was able to, like, it was was both ends of the spectrum because the reality is the four sacks that Ohio State had in that game dictated the outcome. He dropped back 52 times or threw 52 passes, but it was the four plays, the four sacks, and one other pressure that really impacted how that game swung. Um, so there, there were opportunities. There were things that Penn State was able to take advantage of in the passing game. Uh, it's just that the, on the few instances where it couldn't, it, it was very, very damaging to, to Penn State. Uh, it, James always talks about um, big plays, turnovers. Yep. Okay? All the time. And... Penn State turned it over three times, got only one because of that initial exchange. And there was the 38-yard touchdown pass, the run back for a touchdown, and the 68-yard run by Henderson. Yep. I thought it was graphic that, in the end, that's really the only difference between the two because the turnovers produced 10 points and a nine-point win. Ohio State beat Penn State the way that Penn State wants to beat everyone else. Like, period. Uh, right. Henderson did not have a great game. His his numbers were great, but and I'm not even going to call him pedestrian, but Penn State, for the most part, held him in check defensively. He had three runs of seven yards or better. Because I only say that because he had one run of seven yards. Right. That's it. Right. I mean, out of 28 carries. But, but. <laughs> but when he needed he, two big ones, he got two big ones. Correct. And, I, I mean, I literally just got done uh, having this conversation with a colleague. Penn State doesn't have that. Penn, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. Penn, James Franklin can look at the, the numbers after the game, and, and you know, sometimes they, they tell – a different story, right? So the the rushing game was able to generate a couple of touchdowns for Penn State on Saturday night. So so there were improvements made in that department, but at 2.2 yards per carry, it's not even the 2.2 yard per, yards per carry. It's the fact that there were, I mean, was there a run longer than 15 yards for Penn State? Uh, longest was 11. Longest was 11. And that's the issue. See, I don't think right? you don't oh. think I pay attention. No, I I know you do. <laughs> if anyone does, it's you. No, but like that's what we're talking about here. Is yeah. you get you get a hand like th- th- these teams are built to compete with each other. These games, like it's not an accident that Penn State is so competitive with Ohio State because. Mm-hmm. When evenly matched or close or in the ballpark, that is how college football games are won or lost. 
on five to ten plays a game. And the difference in this one is that Ohio State had more of those plays than Penn State did, both defensively and offensively. Certainly the turnovers that Ohio State was able to create, obviously when you spot them seven on a fumble return for a touchdown, when your offense is on their side of the field, that is a backbreaker. But so too is the 70-yard reception, right, for Smith. Like, um, or Dick, excuse me, I can't pronounce his name. Um, the the Ohio State receiver who who had the big Jack, chunk Jackson play. Smith, Jackson Smith and Jigma. There you go. Um, it's my job to know those things. Yeah, you know, I, I it's been no, a long I'm, few that's days. What I, no, that's what I always <laughs> say to Jack all the time. And same thing with James. James will talk about numbers on Thursday night. And then I'll give who the names are, because that's my job. It's not his job. Yeah. So, well, yeah. In any case, those plays, that that run uh, by Henderson, and then that pass, you know, like those are, those are difference-making plays. And Ohio State was able to make them, and Penn State wasn't. And, you know, they find themselves on the losing end of another game because of it. The red zone defense this year, and they've had three takeaways. They've given up a total of 20 scores, 12 or field goals. Yep. On Saturday night, five trips into the red zone by that vaunted Ohio State offense, and they had four field goals and a touchdown. What does that tell us about what we're watching defensively? They're, they're, they are above great. Like, they are, they are a, a nearly elite defensive unit. They are very, very good. They have been all season. There's nothing else to see. It's not like the jury is still out. Uh, If you give up 26 points as an offense, or excuse me, as a defense at Ohio State, that's, you've done your job. You really have. And not only did they give up 26 points as a defense at Ohio State, and everything that Ohio State has been offensively this season, but Penn State's offense put it in enough holes that it, it becomes that much more impressive, right? When when Ohio State's average starting field position is their 34, but, I mean, look look at these numbers. Ohio State started with the ball at their own 47. They started at the Penn State at midfield, effectively, at the Penn State 28-yard line. I mean, those are, those are tough spots to be in as defense. So for, for, for Penn State's defense to have been able to withstand that and still hold uh, Ohio State to 26 points offensively, like that that has to be good enough. You, you, as an offense, Penn State right. needs to exactly. be able to produce enough uh, to win in that type of an environment. Now next up, Maryland. So that brings up November. What kind of statement can this team make in November? Yeah, I mean, look, like everything, everything is in front of them for sure. I mean, certainly the way that the Iowa and Illinois game played out for Penn State is is tremendously disappointing, right? Because I think that everyone knows if Sean Clifford is healthy for both of those games, you're probably looking at at least one different outcome, if not two. Okay, so instead of five and three, we're talking about. 7-1, Seven and one potentially. However, it is what it is now. 
okay? And this 5-3 and three team now has to, and again, like I just keep coming back to this, but Maryland can score points, okay? Maryland's defense yeah, it, is Tung, not... Tunga Viola is coming off a career high at 419, so. Okay, they can score some points, even against a very, very good Penn State defense. Maryland's mm-hmm. defense, not very good, has not been consistent this season, and at times they have gotten lit up. Can Penn State's offense, no matter the circumstances, but going on the road, coming off three straight losses, put up the points that it has to put up to win a game like this? And people people look and say, okay, well, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I'm sure you are. You look and you say, okay, well, Penn State just took the number five team in the country at their place to effectively the wire, right? I mean, the game was in doubt with five minutes to play. Uh, if Penn State's offense can't score more than 24 points at Maryland or cost up three turnovers, it's probably going to lose the game. They're probably going to lose. So that's what this is about, is can Penn State's offense go out and score enough to win, get back into the wins column, get to six, Okay, set up that game with Michigan, and then go from there. Because that's 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 really kind of the reality of these last four games. Is outside of Rutgers, Penn State's going to have to be able to do some things offensively to be able to to collect the wins that it's expecting to collect or wants to collect. So the big pitch here in the end is about getting your kid to college. That's correct. That is that is correct. But hey, we've already had this discussion. Now Stella's three; she doesn't really understand. But we told her, if you don't go to Penn State, you're on your own. We get a little bit of a discount there. You know, it's it's her choice. But uh, basically, their their college choices have already been selected. But we have to get enough people over to the site to make this happen. That's correct. That's Discount correct. or not. Penn State, Blue White Illustrated at On3. If you look up PennStateOn3.com on Google, it'll take you to us. If you type in BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, it'll bring you to us. It's a dollar for a year. Uh, frankly, Steve, I, I expect to see. I mean, what's the what's the reach of this radio station? It's got to be like eight million, right? Parking lot, eight million, somewhere in between. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm expecting a spike this, this sta- after this, this show. station. This station, ten thousand watts. Okay. Not not small, big reach. And, and a lot of and a lot of numbers on the podcast. A lot there, of I mean, like Matt, tons of numbers on the podcast. Correct? Oh yeah, especially the last couple months. And these these are Penn State fans. Come on, let's go, let's do it. We think most of them are. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, always a pleasure. Great talking with you before the game. We we didn't get into some of the things we talked about before the game, but at some point we might. 
I'm always around, and I'm happy to chat anytime you'll have me, Steve. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. You know that. Same. Likewise. Well, I'll catch you. Uh, I'll catch you Saturday. College Sounds Park. great. Look forward to it. Perfect. Look All forward right. to it. Thanks, bud. Hey, Power on three dot com, the new home of Blue White Illustrated. All right, today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, best in the business. Okay? Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. And we're in the Sunbury Motor Studio here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.